exactly what Jesus said, right? We just read it. The church is for people that are still struggling with life. The church is for people who are still struggling with standards of living and understanding themselves and their place in the world. The church is not for the sanctified. The church is for you and you and you and you. Oh, Pastor, you don't know. I am sanctified actually. Well, there you go. <laughs> Hypocrite, you're not. You're not. <laughs> I'm not sanctified yet. I'm. I'm hoping and praying every day that God will just drop off on me a bit more every day, but I'm still getting there. I still need Jesus every day of my life. There's not one day, one single day where I think, wow, I'm there, I'm home free now. Oh, God has got 100% of me. No, I'm like, oh, God. I just have that thought. I need to let that go. I need to release that fear. I need to release that worrying. I need to release that whatever it is. And you go, you have to go back to God and say, God, I'm glad I know your family is for real people. For real people. It's not like God is surprised at our state. It's not like God is surprised at where you are at in life. It's not that God looks at you and says, well, I wish you were more like him rather than who you actually are. It's more like God says, no, exactly you have been invited to be part of my family. Yeah. So church is a family of people that are still on the way. A church that is still trying to figure out how to live out that hope that Jesus brought into our lives. So let's read from Acts chapter 2 verse 41. It says, I'm reading, I'm sorry, I, well I think, I hope it's in the same translation on the screen here, it's from NLT here. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came up over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all of the believers met together in one place and performed many, or shared together everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. That's the Jewish temple, right? Met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. Now, some years ago, I came into a, um, I lived in another town that had, from Herning. I wasn't even a pastor at that time. And uh, I was on a church planting team. Um, I was a young guy, so that's uh, just about five years ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've got, I've got a, it just if you're wondering what's the age of this guy, I've got three kids. One is 26, married. One is, um, yeah, there you go, 25. <laughs> One is uh, 24. The 25-year-old, my daughter, just announced while I was flying down here, I knew it already, but now she made it public, that I'm becoming a granddad. Yeah. So, so now you're wondering, how old is she? Yeah, as close as you get tomorrow. Come back tomorrow, uh, and I'll let you in on a bit more details. Right, so I was some years ago, um, 
in a town where I wanted to meet people. I was in a church planting situation. We wanted to start a church, and um, there was no vibrant church around. And we were like, "Yeah, let's do this." And uh, we we were in a team together with a great bunch of people, and so we wanted to get involved with the local community. And and uh, there was uh, this volleyball club. Do you know volleyball? Uh, yes. We, so there was the local volleyball club. They had like an open uh, open month. It was uh, open for new members. So you didn't have to pay anything to participate. It was just just arriving at the place. And so one of my friends and I, uh, we said, hey, let's do that. Let's do that three months and uh, just see if it's something for us, if, if the friendships catch on, sort of. And, um, and uh, we got to the place. It was like, uh, it was like a sports place, but there was literally not an eye in sight. Not one person anywhere. It was just, so we opened the door into the locker rooms. We could see there were clothes lying around, but nobody there. And we're like, I wonder if this is even the right place. And checked it again. Yes, it's the right address. Okay. So we reluctantly changed our clothes just in that empty space, but we'd see others have done it. And we thought, better get dressed. So we dressed into sports garments and just wandered through the corridors to see if we could find any sign of life. And we heard there was something going on further down the corridor and we opened into a, like a gymnasium, a big um, venue where they had, lo and behold, a volleyball team playing. And uh, we thought, ah, oh, thank God we found the right place. And what happened when the team that were already playing at this point they looked at us, apparently we got the time wrong, and so they were already playing. They looked at us, sort of like, what do you guys want? They didn't say that, but I could tell from their eyes, they were like, what do you guys want? We're actually playing here. I, they didn't say that, but that was what I felt, right? You know the messages you see through people's eyes here? They're like, yeah, you're kind of disturbing us. And then we felt like, okay, we've got to say something. And then we said, isn't this the free month of participation thing? And they were like, ah, yeah, that's right. Well, just stand on the side. We'll see how we can fit you in. So we were like, well, that didn't feel very uh, welcoming. And we were like looking at each other going like, ah, we're disturbing these guys. We shouldn't be here in the first place. Um, and then finally they said, you can jump right into a 5-4 five, 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 position. And we were like, what is a 5-4 position? Yeah. And we were like, that was internal lingo. We knew that. And they should have known, but it was like, yeah, just fit in. And they just hustled, just moved around on the court. And we were like, what does that leave us with? Uh, do we actually have a spot within what you just did there? And they were like, yes, you stand here, right? Okay, sorry. And we you know, stood on the court and felt like very awkward. Yeah, you get the feeling, you know? Oh, this is awkward. These guys were having a blast until we arrived. Now everything is awkward. And it's our fault, basically, because we interrupted them. Oh, and then after a few more sort of internal orders and everybody shifted around, we just stood there. What did that mean? Well, you stand over here. For the slow ones, let's take it again. Stand over here. And so we moved over there and felt awkward again. 
And then after that night, there was a short break. I think they may have, might have done it in the second round. We sort of slipped into the locker rooms and we got dressed back into our regular uh, our garment. And then we sort of just stood out the back door, right? You wouldn't imagine we'd do that at some point. <laughs> yeah. Now, do I need to tell you we didn't go back to the volleyball club in that city? Because it felt like they were not really appreciating newcomers. They didn't really, they didn't really, they weren't prepared in the first, they might have said so in the advertisement in the paper, right? Their, their proclamation was right, but their lived life was definitely not according to their proclamation, right? So we felt their real life we might have come there because of their proclamation, but we stayed away because of their real life. You know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Church life. Oh, haven't you just experienced that in some churches? Not, of course, not any churches here in Indola, but maybe overseas you've heard about churches where they invite you, but really are not very welcoming because when it comes down to it, they want you to know their internal lingo and ways of doing stuff because you wouldn't want to interrupt them, would you? Now, that's not really church life according to what the apostles teach us right from the day of Pentecost. That was more like a family that finally got together. They didn't know each other, but now finally they found each other through the name of Jesus Christ. And so they met up at church and they hang out, hung out with each other in homes. And they appreciated each other's company and they shared with each other to the ability of what they could. But hey, they just were thrilled to do life together. Now, I don't know how they advertised that day of Pentecost. Well, I don't know a bit about it, but I'm not sure how they went about it from that day on. But I'm pretty sure that there was a continuation of the real life lived there and the invitations that took place. Come and hang out with us. We're these incredible, hopeful followers of Jesus Christ. You know, the one that people killed, but who God wouldn't let stay, who, who God wouldn't let stay in the grave. So. He's still hanging out with us, and we're hanging out with each other, and even those, those of you that actually were participants in killing him, hey, there's no division anymore, you're invited too. That's the kind of church the first church was. You'd imagine the people who were participants in the killing of the Lord Jesus Christ would have been exempt from the invitation, right? That, I mean, that goes without saying, clearly. I mean, those that were cheering on his crucifixion just a few days earlier, of course the church wouldn't want them in their midst, clearly. I mean, that goes without saying. But then again, Peter exactly, specifically addresses that very situation. You kill the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God raised from the dead, and you're invited. Now, what kind of crazy speech is that? What kind of world is he coming from? What kind of invitation is that really? How would you want to invite somebody who is clearly in the opposition to what you preach? 
That is very disturbing to the fellowship we have going on here. You are not one of ours. How do you come here? Well, he said, open month. Yeah, but that's only what we say. You should understand that it does take a few credits to get in anyway. Well, we're not the volleyball club, guys. We're the Church of Jesus Christ. That, that preposterous claim of his to be reaching out to those that were lost and without hope and reaching out to those that needed hope and didn't deserve it, but God did it anyway. And he wanted them, every one of us, every one of us, so that we might find that there is a home for us. That there's no such place as that, that I'm not ready yet for church. That is not a thing. It does not exist, not being ready for the family of God. That is not a thing. If you feel you're not ready for the church of God, that is exactly the condition that is, that is one of the best conditions for participating. Feeling unworthy. Feeling un unfitted into the church family. That is a great condition for participation. Mm. So do you know anybody who would say, ah, oh, they're not church-going people. Well, there you go. They are open church people. They're the ones open church would like to invite. Open church is not interested in churchgoers from other churches, right? God is doing great things in churches all over and over. God is blessing people in churches all over and over. We do not have a responsibility to reach out to other people in other churches or denominations or whatever. We have an obligation to reach out to those that are still in need of a church family. Who find themselves without a place where they can call themselves at home. That is the gospel according to Jesus Christ and the first church in Jerusalem, reaching out, sharing the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ to those that did not fit in, that did not fit into the norms and standards of religious behavior. Right. So how, what's your picture of Jesus? When I was preparing this, I was like, I think there's a thing going on here in the gospels we sometimes overlook. Now, Give me the first photo of Jesus with the crowd. Maybe you, you look at maybe you look at Jesus like that. Just standing there, sanctimonious, just oozing holiness. Speech, speaking to the crowds. Now this is only a small crowd. But you know, the thousands. Oh, on the mountain, at the lakeside, preaching to the multitudes. But you know. That is not the Jesus you find mostly in the Gospels. Those are just on a few occasions. The Jesus we encounter again and again is the Jesus meeting up in people's homes. It's the Jesus as he walks with people to the next home to visit, speaking with people one-on-one -on -one or a small gathering around him. It's the Jesus who meets people eye to eye. So maybe you've got the wrong impression of what church is like. Church is about 
this huge crowd and I started off sharing with you our release so inauguration service in Hanning and you might get the impression that's what I'm into I'm not really into that but it comes down to that's that's just secondary to what the church is really about because that's about the fellowship between each other now when we started open church in Hanning when we started open church here one of the first areas to be aware of do you know what that was? Fellowship area. A place to hang out. A place to meet people eye to eye. Not because we want to push a message down people's throats. Not your throat, not anybody's throat. But to extend fellowship. To let you know that we care. To let you know that you're part of the church family if you so desire. We desire to participate in the fellowship with Jesus Christ together with you. And we want to let you know that's why we serve coffee. It's not that we can't handle our own coffee when we get home. It's because we want to drink it with you. It's because we want fellowship with you. It's one of the most most profound truths of the gospel. Not coffee, but fellowship, right? It so happens that coffee is a great expression of that. That's another thing. But... Fellowship is one of the main ways we see Jesus reaching out to people. I mean, you may think, well, surely it must have been the Sermon on the Mount. No, actually, as I said, just a few occasions on that. But plenty, many occasions of Jesus hanging out with people in their homes. Let's have a few. These are not actually photos you, I reckon you take. This is like a selfie Jesus we're hanging out with his disciples. I was just wondering, maybe maybe that could be the case. I think it's actually a film crew doing some Jesus movie and they just found it to be funny to do a selfie with Jesus at the center, right? But I'm pretty sure selfies were a thing. I'm pretty sure that this would have been a thing. You, we, we would have found this on Jesus' uh, Facebook or whatever. <laughs> or, or that one, or, or the next one. But really, uh, just keep going. Uh, but this seems like more a, an original one. Obviously it isn't. I mean, nobody really did any painting of Jesus at the point. At the time, this is just a bit older. But it's really the same thing. We know these, we know these illustrations of different biblical passages of Jesus hanging out with people. Doing the Jesus thing, which was what? Preaching. No, hanging out with people, sharing a meal. Enjoying fellowship, sharing life. Letting them know that he was there for those that wanted fellowship with God. That wanted to belong. So, um, Jesus enjoyed quality time with people. He enjoyed celebrations. I mean, I'm not actually sure where Jesus would be if he was incarnated here with us tonight, maybe he would be sort of hanging out next door. I'm not, I'm not sure actually, I don't know, maybe he'd just pop by to and fro, just sometime hanging out there, coming back and maybe bringing one from one side to another and sort of building a bridge or whatever. Maybe, maybe, that's, that's the Jesus I see in the stories of the Bible anyway. And it's like, the, the numerous stories in the Bible, they focus quite a lot on those that were definitely outcasts and not considered 
worthy of sitting with the rabbi, the master, but they were there anyway. And it makes you wonder, why is it that they kept showing up at the table where Jesus was dining? I mean, was it because his hosts were doing a bad job in pushing them out? Most likely, but I imagine the reason why they couldn't push them out was because Jesus kept inviting them in. Right? You don't want to push people out that you're getting your honorable host just invited in. That's the only reason. If, they, if he hadn't invited them in, I'm pretty sure they would have kept them out. So, Jesus just kept bringing people along who seemed to be off to what the religious, well-established, church-going, part of the community would have been inviting by themselves. Now Jesus kept inviting the wrong people. Which makes you wonder, did Jesus invite wrong people or is it just our understanding of wrong that's wrong? Yeah? yeah? Mm -hmm. You get me, right? Yeah. We call it being wrong sometimes. But I'm wondering if that's true. Maybe it's our mind that's wrong about each other. Maybe that's sometimes where the wrong sits. We look at somebody, we see their Facebook post, their WhatsApp or whatever, and we say, ah, oh, you don't know what they did yesterday night, Pastor. You didn't see where they tacked themselves. They were at the bar. But you know, the Jesus... <laughs> The Jesus of the Gospel did not care the least where they were, these people, the night before they participated in the dinner with Him. He just cared about them being there with Him. And as Pastor Lola just read, sometimes it's very religious people that seem to know everything. They just can't find Jesus even though they're walking straight next to Him, right? He's literally talking to them, they just don't see it. And sometimes I'm wondering when I or you are talking to Jesus in the shape of somebody you find is just a stranger. And in reality, he's revealing something about Jesus to you if you would pay attention. Now, in Jesus, uh, Jesus of course, I could mention so many scriptures, I don't know if, uh, if, you're, if you want to take the Bible out all night here, but I mean, he's, he's all over people's homes. He's, he's sitting with people, the tax collectors, a prostitute at his feet, washing his, you know, serving at the table. It's like, what is Jesus thinking about? And he did it on several occasions. He was at a wedding party and they were running out of wine, which meant that they had been drinking heavily. Because you wouldn't run out of wine otherwise. And then he supplied the needs. I mean, what, what kind of Jesus is that anyway in the Gospels? It's the Jesus who's relevant to the people he's with, but he's still adding hope into people's lives. He's not deeming them unworthy, he's still participating, he's there with them. Are you ready to bring Jesus to your table? I mean, I've just shared with you what, what he might just be up to. You don't know what he, who he might be inviting to your table, you know? 
you want him as your honorable guest. But he might be bringing somebody along who you're not all too familiar with. Are you ready to have Jesus at your table? Are you ready to invite Jesus into your life? Because he might just be bringing relationships, connections, whom you find are very different to who you are or would want to be. So my question is real. Do you really dare invite Jesus into your life because he's bringing to you and your life a lot of people are very different to you. Sometimes for the better and sometimes you think, I'm better than that. Couldn't Jesus introduce me to somebody who's the next level? Why is it like I feel like I have to pull the weight here? It's like, yeah, you're a self-righteous person. Maybe you're learning here right at this moment to just be there when Jesus invites somebody to participate along with him. Right? Now, some years ago, we felt, my wife and I, We've been married now for 31 years. And um, we felt like we needed to move to a place where we had a bit more uh, space. Uh, we had plenty of rooms in the old house, but we couldn't sort of, um, the, the logistics of the house wasn't so that we, it was easy for us to have uh, people living with us. And, um, and we felt like a common calling on our lives to um, restructure our lives so that we could actually bring people into our lives that we couldn't contain otherwise. So we found another place, a small farmstead, just, just at the outskirts of town. And, and uh, so we have a bit more space and we've been refurbishing some of the, the old stables. So we have people living in the stables now. And now we have built a shed and people are going to live with us in the shed. We have an old garage, it sounds very dodgy, but it's uh, been refurbished into something very, very nice. And so we had a garage, we refurbished that, took, took the car out, refurbished that into an apartment as well, so we have somebody living there as well. And then, you know, we have people living everywhere around us, and you say, well, you're surely people of a lot of energy. And we're like, no, we're not really. Um, at one point, my wife was in a clinical depression. She had um, experienced something and, and she was really completely out of energy. She was just sleeping most of her day away. And we still felt that calling that God was challenging us to open our lives to people that He was sending along the way. And it was like, but God, we don't. I'm, I'm, I'm so busy pastoring. Kind of excuses that anyway, and, uh, and my wife was like, "Well, I'm, I have no energy. It's I can't." And we were like, "God, how can we do this?" And then God shared with us a creative idea. He said, "We felt like He said, you 'You going to have dinner anyway every night, sure, sort of, right? Yeah, we are. So why don't you just cook for one more? You're, you're going to cook anyway. Cook for one more." And then you just invite somebody over, just have dinner, and once the dinner is over, you just sit them off and say, it was great being with you, we've got to get on with the evening, great you could be here. So as soon as you get up from the table, you just, is it okay that you just leave from there, but we've had fellowship at the table. And uh, we felt that you can't invite people like that, come over and go again, please. So we call it uh, eat and leave. 
That's the invitation we gave you. Would you like to come over for eat and leave? And they're like, what's that? Well, you eat and then you leave. That's the concept. It's pretty easy. Uh, okay, well, we can do that. And so we had people coming and live. Then it sort of became a, a potluck thing, right? People brought things over. And then we could invite two or three or four. And suddenly we were finding ourselves with quite a lot of guests. My wife was still in a clinical depression state and it was like, but the energy was just there because we were given grace as we extended it. And sometimes we want to make sure that we have everything in orders before we do anything, but sometimes you just got to share your table with somebody. And then see what God does as he reveals himself at the table as Sylvester just shared with us. Sometimes it's like Jesus reveals himself as you have dinner and talk about life. Now, on a weekly basis, we have between, besides those living with us, we have besides somewhere around, I don't know, it's different, but, but um, between 30 and 70 guests a week. Some, some weeks we have like a big gathering in our place. We have like 400 people in a week. Uh, because we do like a big outing from church and we do all kinds of stuff, bumper castles and all that. But it's been a thing that we've just said, God, whatever we have, it feels frail. It feels like we have nothing much to give. But we want to be faithful with the little we have and share that with that person that you sent to us. And then it doesn't become a thing of our doing, it becomes a thing of your blessing. And it goes both ways. So. I'd like to just get us into contemplation and wondering what the Spirit is sharing with us now. So, keyboard player, could you help me with that? Come on up. So, sometimes we find ourselves being asked by Jesus, could you host the Last Supper at your, at your room? Like the guy was asked through the, one of the disciples, right? Peter was sent, just ordered by Jesus, go and ask and set up the Easter meal, the last meal, and somebody just accepted. Now, we may not know all the details of that proposition from Peter and what Jesus more could have said even more but what we've given in the Gospel text, but we just know that somebody was challenged to open their home and see that the Lord was was served. Maybe it's like when 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 uh, Silas, Peter, and uh, and Barnabas, no Peter and Silas were in, at prison, and they were released, and there was a prayer going on in somebody's home, and you know he comes out of the prison, he goes to the home where they have the prayer meeting, he knocks at the door, and so. The apostle who's been released from prison goes to that door and finds that they have been praying. Well, they were not expecting him to be released in the first. That's the strange part of the story, right? They were praying for the faith, I'm sure. 
And then when he was released, they were like, what? No, that can't happen. Oh, well, what were you praying for? Well, yeah. But sometimes I wonder, would you have had that prayer meeting at your home? Or would that have been at somebody else's home? Jesus wasn't looking for the perfect home or the perfect hearts. I hope you get this by this message in this time of the night. Jesus was not looking for those that had everything in order. He was just asking somebody to open up the place that they were entrusted by God and the gifts and talents that they had and just start using that. Sharing that with the stranger or with the church. And I think if he wasn't asking about perfect people when he was walking the earth together with us, I'm pretty sure he's not asking for that same thing today. He's still just asking for people who want to accept that he can use any imperfect human being on the planet earth. And their imperfect homes and imperfect hearts and imperfect every whatever condition we might put up and say, well, when that happens, Lord, I'll be ready at that time. I'll start serving, I'll start giving, I'll start inviting once this happens. But that's where you see Jesus is not putting the question and asking, when is that? No, he's just asking. Now, if the two apostles on the way to Amos had not stopped Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, no, they didn't know it was him. Hey, stranger. Why don't you come and dine with us? They would have never found out that they had been walking with Jesus. They would never have understood the incredible power of the gospel. They would never have understood the resurrected Jesus Christ is wandering the earth, still calling people after his death and resurrection. Resurrection. They would still have been wandering to this day if they had not died. I wonder what this was all about. But because they saw the opportunity to just share a meal with the stranger, something happened in their life. So let me just place one simple point of this whole ninth subject with you. There's just one point. No, actually, there are two points. Okay? You want to write, note something down? Here's the first point. Will you make yourself available for a life following Jesus? It's not about if you're ready, if you feel that you're up for it, you feel that your home is enough, if you feel that you're doing well, if you feel you're earning enough money, if you feel you've got the right job. That's not the question here. The question is just simply, will you make yourself available? And then leave it to Jesus to make use of the availability. The second point is, what do you do now? That's, a, that's an easy second point, eh? But it's also a difficult second point. The first one is, will you want us to be available for Jesus? And anybody, I mean, anybody with a sound mind would say, yeah, sure, if Jesus is around, I think definitely, I'll, I'll make myself available, sure, yeah, that's no, no problem. <laughs> that's an easy one. I can pass that test. 
obey. But the, the, the real test is the next point. Will you do it now? Not next year. Not once you pass your exams. Not once you've been promoted at work. Not once when you get at work. Not when you get your own apartment. But hey, Pastor, you don't know. I haven't even got a place I can invite anybody into it. I, well, Brew a cup of tea in the street and invite somebody over and have a cup of tea with somebody. Just let them know you want to be with them. That's the point here. Will you make yourself available? That's the open circle of open church. Will you make yourself available? Is there room in your life for the stranger? Is there room in your life for that other person who doesn't feel like fitting in? But Jesus is reaching out through his church, letting the world know you do fit in. You do fit in. You may have counted yourself out, but the church of Jesus Christ does not count you out. We invite you in. That's what church is about. That's what open church is about. That's what was birthed here in this very place and actually we had seven years ago a similar situation of the auditorium being taken right as we were doing the, the starting service right i was here with you at the inauguration and it was like we had the auditorium and then we had we didn't have it then we had to be here so it's like oh full circle you know but hey guys that's not the point the point is do you get the message of the living jesus christ He's inviting you to participate wherever you are at in life. And he's challenging you. Are you ready to serve him with whatever you have? Whatever awkward situation you're in in your life, are you ready? And are you ready now? Let's pray together. I believe in the power of God to break through lies that the enemy has sown into our minds to let us know that we're not ready yet. We're not there yet. You gotta, you gotta wait for it. You gotta wait for nothing. Jesus came to reach out to you so that you might have eternal life. But not just you, even the people around you. So what is there to wait for? You've got something lying right ahead of you, church. God has granted you opportunities that none others in this con con congregation will have. You have friendships, you have relationships, you have families that I will never even get to talk to in my life. But you have them. You have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to share hope, to share the family of Jesus Christ, that there is a place for everyone in the family of God. You have that opportunity. Pastor Lena doesn't. Pastor Benjamin doesn't. Pastor Sylvester doesn't. I don't. You have that opportunity. You're the greatest hope for your family, for your friends, for your fellow colleagues and students. Come on. What are you waiting for? Are you available? Jesus is challenging you right now. So if you are here, you know God is talking to you about not letting yourself behind and just letting everybody else pass you saying well they're better than I am if you know that's you I've been talking to tonight stop cutting yourself off 
Jesus is inviting you in. Yeah, your life is known to him, but still he invites you in. If you're here tonight and you acknowledge that Jesus is speaking to you, would you place your hand on your heart? Just to let you know, Lord, see this heart of mine. Place your hand on your heart. Lord, see this heart of mine. It's, it's sometimes deviated from the cause. It sometimes turns cold on people. Sometimes it's turned self-righteous. Sometimes it's deemed itself out and unworthy. Sometimes it's just distorted in all its ways. But Lord, here I am tonight. I, I, I accept you. I accept your calling upon my life. I accept that you can use me, even me. And as you touch your heart, I believe God will touch your life. In the name of Jesus, release, Lord, your Holy Spirit upon people's lives right now, wherever they're sitting, wherever, whatever they're encountering, whatever they're experiencing. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will touch our lives and let us see ourselves in the light of the grace of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray, release upon your life that God will let you see yourself in the light of his grace. And that God will grant you the strength to see the, seize those moments that He's giving you. Open your eyes. See the world in a new light. See the world not in black and white and strife and them and us, but see the, the world under one banner of Jesus Christ. Open your eyes, church. See your place in it. In the name of Jesus, amen.